This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda with SLD's Think Retail podcast. Thanks for listening today. We're talking to James Down about the environmental impact of plastic packages. This has become an issue customers, brands, and governments can no longer ignore. The EU is poised to ban certain single-use plastics within a few years, and other governments are exploring similar policies as we speak. Younger consumers place an even higher importance on environmental issues, making this an important problem for brands to solve. Now, companies know this, but there isn't a perfect solution, at least not yet. Today, we're speaking to James Downham. He's the president and CEO of Pack Packaging Consortium, and he spent a great deal of time and energy studying this issue about the options, the challenges, and promising future solutions. Welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. It's an early Monday morning, so thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Um, can you start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your career, and Pack? Yeah, I've, I've been a career packaging geek for um, too many decades to mention, but um, I've lived my life in it and it's been awesome. And uh, I'm grateful to be able to uh, be here today on behalf of Pack Pack uh, Packaging Consortium because of the fact that uh, what we're all about is education and really ad advocating for uh, sustainable and safe packaging. Great. So as somebody who, you're, you're talking to companies all the time, people in different industries that use plastic packaging for all kinds of uses, what is the conversation that you're having with these brands about sustainability right now? So sustainability is top of mind and it has been for some time, uh, really driven back in the mid-2000s by Walmart. And the Walmart scorecard was a big deal and it brought in the entire supply chain for several years. Um, it slowed down a little bit around 2013, but now Walmart is back with a vengeance and they're really taking a tremendous leadership role for sure. I was in uh, Bentonville last week in Arkansas and they had their Walmart sustainability milestone. 750 people in the room led by the CEO. Uh, all of the executives for Walmart were there, 700 suppliers and NGOs, and it was a day of celebration. It was very, very impressive. Great, I think there's a lot of a lot of the time people think of companies as not caring about this, but I mean, as someone who works with the companies, we know that they do. So when we're talking about innovative materials, what are they leaning towards now? Something that's available now? So basically, first of all, uh, companies are leading this discussion in my view, for sure. Um, you know, the politicians are behind, they have been for a long time. Yeah. Although now it seems to be the, um, topic du jour, right. so it's very, very popular. Uh, primarily, uh, these things lead out of Europe, UK, and of course, our environmental prime minister today is uh, very proactive with this agenda. So, But companies are focused uh, really on the subject of sustainability, number one, but the language today is circular economy. Right. And it's really all about bringing a product and a package into the marketplace that can be continue on into its next life so so that it's circular it's not going into landfill right so in terms of the actual materials that they can use now is there something that people are leaning towards so what uh, this is a big issue it's a very very complex complex issue and it's not as simple as um, a good package versus a bad package 
Many of these large corporations, Walmart being one of them, Nestle's, Unilever, Procter & Gamble, to name some of the bigger ones, Coca-Cola, they've all made commitments to 2025, so they've set these goals. The thing that's fascinating for me as a packager is that um, a lot of those innovations haven't even been developed yet, yeah. and yet they're out there making these commitments. So it's pretty bold, it's pretty courageous, and I think it's brilliant leadership on their part. Um, what they're doing is they're primarily working on areas where the lightweighting discussion continues. Um, the reuse discussion is certainly ramping up dramatically. We work closely with Tom Sackey, who's going to be speaking at our event on May the 30th here in Toronto. And Tom launched in Davos in, Fe in January in Switzerland the product called Loop. Okay. And they're calling him the uh, 20, uh, 2019 Milkman. Okay. Because basically what he's done is he's partnered with Procter & Gamble and Nestle and Unilever and I think it's 18 or 20 brand owners who have uh, putting products into a package that's a reusable package. It's delivered to your house, it's picked up when it's completed and then it's refilled and re brought back. So that's a reuse right. application. Yeah. That's a big one. Another one is um, where Aeroflex has been developed by Procter & Gamble, and that's the brand name. But it's basically a lightweight, uh, flexible package uh, bottle, plastic bottle, so it's replacing rigid plastic bottles. Now, the solution isn't there yet to recycle that, mm -hmm. but the bottle itself is like 50% lighter than, uh, the flexible package is 50% lighter than the bottle. So again, it's reduction. So the first one is reuse example. The second one I've just given you is the recycle example, or the reduction example. And now there's some technologies that are being developed by uh, very, very large corporations where they're taking back uh, post-consumer uh, plastics and they're taking them right down to the virgin materials so that they are going to be 100% uh, recycled back into pure flake. Right. So those are the three biggies. So that leads me to a, 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 another point, is that for a long time, the sort of conventional wisdom has been that, oh, I buy this bottle of water and I just, once I'm done with it, I'll just throw the bottle in the recycling bin and we're done and it's fine. That bottle isn't gonna make it to landfill, but that hasn't been the case necessarily. Can you talk a little bit about the issues with recycling? Because I think so, for so many of us, it's been out of sight, out of mind. We are doing our part, we're recycling and everything's okay. What's happening with recycling? Why are we, why are we not seeing that happen? So the stakeholders in the, let's call it the value chain, are basically the product manufacturers, the consumer, so the ones who buy it and use it, uh, those that recover it, so typically in Canada's municipalities, and then it's the reprocessors. So I call them the stakeholders, and the forgotten stakeholder typically is the consumer, because the consumer thinks if they pick up that bottle and they put it into their blue bin, um, then the world is solved. But right. the problem is it's not. First of all, you've got the demographics moving into the cities, you know, and multi-dwelling, uh, multi-family dwellings like condos, high-rises, typically don't recover uh, those materials very well at all. Yeah, I've noticed on the subway they've got signs right now saying, hey, condo dwellers, hey, apartment dwellers, put your recycling in the recycling. I don't know if you've seen those. It's a big issue in yeah. Toronto, and it's a big issue in all metropolitan areas. Yeah. And if you've got a building that's more than five years old, I mean, you've maybe got one shoot. Right to throw your garbage in or your recycling or your composting. 
And in Toronto, as an example, I mean, you have all three. You've yeah. got garbage, you've got recycling, and you've got composting. Uh, but most of these uh, old condos and apartment buildings, uh, which house thousands and thousands of people, uh, they're not very good at it. Mm -hmm. So then you've got the stakeholders themselves. Some of us love to do this and recover and recycle, but there's a lot of people that still don't do it, mm -hmm. and they're not very good at it. Um, you've also got the uh, food service industry whereby, you know, you may go into your local hamburger joint and buy all of your food, but then half of the packaging is left in the store. The other half is taken out. And if people don't dispose of it properly, it's not going to get recycled. Mm -hmm. um, the other critical part is that when it does go to what they call a MRF, a municipal recovery facility, and that's essentially where all of the packaging waste and garbage goes, from your home or your residence. And when it gets there, they've got to sort it. And it, it's not an easy process. And there's a lot of contamination that goes on there. And so it's very, very difficult to put that through the process, through the system. And then it's got to be reprocessed back into something that they can make something out of, out of again. So it's very complex. It's not simple. It's not um, just simply designing a package the right way. Right to think that, oh, you know, this is utopia. We've now created the sliced bread machine, and it's not going to happen that way. It just doesn't work that easily. Right. Because the, the system, it's very, very complex, and the system is linear. So it's one step after another and after another, so it's a straight line. Whereas we've got to start thinking and designing the entire system in a circular motion. That's the circular economy, and that's what that's all about. Right. You mentioned a couple of interesting innovations like loop. What about innovations in terms of materials that are maybe biodegradable or compostable? Have you seen anything interesting in that? Things are happening there, but here's the complexity which we haven't talked about in terms of the recovery system. So essentially, um, there are uh, seven types of polymers, plastics, and seven different types of packaging. And the problem is, is that when they go into the recovery facility, if they get mixed together, everything's contaminated. So right. they've got to be kept separate. Now you add in, so you've got those seven that are fossil fuel based. Now we add one or two or three or four or whatever bioproducts. Right. Those bioproducts multiply the complexity and the contamination process. So um, a biodiverse package is, is, can be a very, very good development, but if it's not cleaned up, and align with everything else in the system, it's gonna just contaminate the entire system. So you've almost gotta go all or nothing on one particular product. Right, right. So we talked a little bit about legislation. You're saying governments are behind. And you know, the, the EU has banned certain single-use plastics that's coming into effect, I think, in 2020. And here, even in Ontario, even the Conservative Party, not typically a party we would associate with progressive environmental policies, but they've even talked about banning some single-use plastics. What are your thoughts about future laws? You say industries are leading. How could laws sort of come in sideways? What are you, what are you anticipating on that? It's happening. It's mm -hmm. happening right now. Uh, there's going to be regulation this summer coming out of the federal government. Um, the, the issue is, again, the complexity of what I've just described. Yeah. Um, and as good as the analysis and study and research is done on it, um, this is a holistic problem. It's a holistic solution. And if you just force it back onto industry to say, design better, 
They can design a great package, but as I've just described to you earlier, it's still got to have a circular system all the way through so that it can get all the way through the system. So it can't just be forced on um, the, the packaged goods industry as an example to, let's say, design the best package because it just doesn't work that way. You've still got to get it out the other end. Right. And you're, so you're really dealing with it. Think about it this way. You're really dealing with, and I was thinking about an analogy the other day, where you've got all of these smart tablets and smartphones and things like that, but the waste system is like the old dial phone with a cord. Right. So you're trying to push, you modernize everything on the front end, but you're not modernizing it on the back end. Right. And if you don't do that collectively, you know, the goals that they want, that the government wants, are zero waste. And it's really, you, you've got to get these um, processes in sync and the system designed properly so that they can be in a circular motion, not in a linear motion. Absolutely. And, I'm, and education would be a big part of that. Education is huge. Yeah. For the and, consumer as well. Well, it, it, the, the problem is with social media, I mean, David Attenborough did the Blue Planet too. And uh, that was last year talking about marine debris and ocean plastics and things like that. And it just went like wildfire. And that's really what's one of the things that's really escalated the conversation, yeah. which is a good thing and it needs to be held. Um, but um, you, you, can't, you can't pass judgment on something in social media and spread that around to all of your friends without the knowledge. Yeah. And to try to educate everybody on this is, is incredibly difficult and challenging to do so. So outside of new materials, and we talked, you talked about Loop, this idea of reusing things and companies picking it up, which I think is really interesting. Um, are there any other really interesting innovations that we'd be hearing about at your upcoming event? Well, we're going to talk about the things that I've talked about already. I mean, Tom Sackey is um, a fascinating individual, um, Canadian, who's mm -hmm. living down in Princeton, New Jersey now, and he's created TerraCycle. And he's created this product called Loop, and he's been doing this now for 10 or 12 years in terms of TerraCycle. And he, he's really um, a brilliant guy because he takes on waste that nobody else wants to deal with. So think about the most complex waste, and Tom wants it. Baby diapers, <laughs> um, cigarette butts, things like that, razors. So he's taking that and he's finding solutions. And so he's, he's going way above and beyond. So Tom will be talking about that. Um, this Aeroflex design, um, it's for liquids. Okay. And it's the flexible package um, design product that we're gonna replace a rigid plastic bottle. And it, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant innovation for sure. On the uh, raw materials, I mean, there's a lot of raw materials. As an example, you probably buy frozen fruit for your smoothies. It's a multi-layer laminate material that will stand up because it's a pouch. And they haven't been able to do that. They can't, um, they can't take that package and recycle it because you've got two materials together or three materials right. together. Yeah. And so what they're doing is now there's a lot of development going on with single ply, monomer uh, ply uh, materials that can stand up. And so those things are in the development. Dow has been doing it, Novachem is doing it. So there's a number of these things that are happening, uh, but you've got to change the whole system. Yeah. Otherwise you end up getting mixed materials together. Yeah. Um, you know, the most famous one and probably the best uh, sustainable package that's been created uh, back in 2010, launched at the Vancouver Olympics was the plant bottle that Coca-Cola did. 
And so they're taking that technology made from um, sugar that uh, the brilliance of it is that it's uh, a renewable material, number one, but number two, you can put that renewable material with fossil-based material and you can regrind it and make another bottle out of it. And so they're taking that plant bottle and Coca-Cola were the drivers of that innovation. But now they're, you're starting to see it in other areas. You're starting to see it in other types of bottles in terms of um, hair care and things like that. So that's happening. One of the other uh, really meaningful initiatives that's all about education is what uh, Procter & Gamble and Unilever have been doing where they take beach plastic and they're turning it back into head and shoulders bottles and things like that. Herbal Essence is going to be launched in the U.S. this year. And they've been working with Tom Sackey on that. Fascinating. But it's really, it's not a, a good cost model. It's really an educational model. Yeah. So what they're trying to do is create awareness of the issue. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. It was excellent. It's such an interesting topic and yeah, very, very complicated. Thank you for joining us. Pleased to be here with you, Melinda. Thank you for having me. This is a much more complex issue than most of us understand. Seeing images of beached whales with their stomachs full of plastic, it hits us really emotionally and we're very rightly outraged, but it's going to take a much more holistic approach than just relying on new materials to save us. Brands, fairly or not, are going to take a lot of the blame when it comes to this issue. Here are some of our tips for how to position your brand as doing its best to contribute to this complicated issue. One is to use materials that are more likely to be recycled, such as glass and tin. Both of these materials can be recycled in most facilities, and studies show that consumers are more likely to throw packaging made of these materials into recycling bins than any other. Food service brands that use takeout containers can move to bamboo cutlery and biodegradable paper carton containers, it's a good idea to clearly explain how to properly dispose of these items as consumers may not be aware. A second way is to find out about innovations like the system James was mentioning, Loop. Um, get on board or copy these great ideas to ensure your brand is leading the way and not lagging behind. I'll link to the Loop system in our podcast description below in case you want to find out more about it. And as James mentioned, the founder of this innovative idea will be speaking at PAC's Package Innovation Disruptors Summit in Toronto on May 30th, and we will link to that event in our podcast description as well. An important note to add is that greenwashing is something to steer completely clear of. Don't overstate what you're doing or imply a package is eco-friendly if it isn't entirely true. That being said, if you are investing in packaging innovation, you should communicate this very clearly, including on the pack. We'd love to hear about what brands are doing in helping to reduce, reuse, or recycle their products or product packaging. If that's you, please get in touch. It's a conversation that we'd like to continue. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time, we discuss why independent retailers are winning at customer service. We hope you'll join us.